Okay, you need to do this one. Okay. Do now it's time for the awarding of the Little Sebastians. No, that did not sound like I wanted it to. Okay, try again. <laughs> try again. Now it... <laughs> I was just having undeniable Monty Python flashes. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Parks and Rewatch. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Joy. And we have officially made it to the end of season one. Bum, ba -da -bum, bum, bum, bum. This is a very exciting day. Yeah, you can't see this unless you are a patron, but I am wearing my obnoxiously orange Tough Mudder headband. Oh, my gosh. Because so worth it. today is the finish line. We have made it to the end of season one. Mm. You know, there's definitely been times during the season where we've ridden the struggle bus a little bit. There were episodes that weren't so fun, but we made it through. We powered through, and I'm proud of us. Man, I I didn't know if we were going to make it, but here we are. Here we are. Even just... in the midst of a worldwide quarantine pandemic, we are here. We have finished something. Right. People have real problems out there, but we have been just just champions i mean <laughs> even the phrase resolve. of that sentence there are real problems out there but let but me tell you about what we went through validate us people <laughs> this has been really hard because we had to watch some comedy tv episodes that weren't quite as funny as some of the other comedy tv episodes my soul died <laughs> a little bit so today our episode of the day is season one, episode six, Rock Show. Yes. I have a surprise for you, Joy. Oh, gosh. Are you ready for this? No. I don't know you <laughs> hardly enough to know what kind of thing is about to come my way. <laughs> the piss. I fail in be our intro music this week absolutely <laughs> without me laughing in the background <laughs> or with either way <laughs> i'm going with with in this episode andy gets his casts off and prepares for a rock show with his band which everyone else is excited to attend leslie is unable to make it because she has a dinner meeting with a local bigwig which turns out to be a blind date set up by leslie's mother Boo. before <laughs> How do you feel about blind dates? Have you ever been on a blind date? I have never been asked out on a date in my life, but I have been on two blind dates. One of them, um, it was both mine and the guy's first blind date, and he was really nervous, and I was nervous until I saw how nervous he was, and then I was like, no, I got this. And by the time we got to the end, like the person that set us up, I had him bring a frisbee so we could go play frisbee <laughs> and then he just like awkwardly held his frisbee and was like do you mind if i go do homework oh. Like, oh okay and i was like i had a great time like do you want my number can i have your number and he just turned his frisbee around and it had his number on the back and i tried to get him to put it in my phone and he got stuck on the emoji screen and couldn't figure out how to get out of it <laughs> so i was like it's fine i'll just take a picture of the frisbee and that was the end of that. That's an amazing story. There you go. I, I can't believe he had his number on the Frisbee. I mean, Frisbees are very, very important <laughs> articles of living. <laughs> I always have a Frisbee in my car. You never know when you're going to need it. I also always have a scooter in my car. You never know when you're going to need it. True, but I'm curious. Did he write his number on the Frisbee just so he could do that, like, romantic, you know, end-of-date reveal? Or did he just have it in case it got lost? And It was definitely in case it got lost. <laughs> and it happened to be there when he was like, I don't know, here's my number. I was like, dude, <laughs> I sorry you're scared, but... I can't decide whether that's genius or terrible. Yep. 
<laughs> I mean, dude tried his best. I get it. It was a weird situation. It's fine. I saw him at a friend's <laughs> wedding and he was like, hi, Joy, how are you? And I'm like, oh, we're talking. Okay. Hello. <laughs> oh, man. I just, I would have loved it so much if you had had a, like a Frisbee with just like a no thanks written on it or something <laughs> that you could have just held up. I honestly didn't know he was going to be at that wedding. And then I was like, oh, hey, safe person. I've cornered to be with me the whole time because I feel awkward. That guy and I went on a blind date. <laughs> it's fine. I, I made it. I'm still here. I survived thank that. You for, thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks for listening. I have been on one blind date in my life. Uh, it was when I was back in high school. We got set up through friends, I think. And this was kind of before the day and age of the internet helping us know what movies were about. So unless you'd seen a trailer for a movie in another movie you didn't you know you didn't really know what it was about and so we went to see a movie and there was nothing that i really wanted to see coming out that weekend so we just picked a random movie do you know what that random movie was oh gosh i'm a little scared it was the remake of the wicker man starring nicholas cage you know 16 year old joe did not did not get down with horror movies on any level had no idea that's what I was walking into. Mm. So it was a very awkward viewing experience with this girl because I'm basically just sitting there, number one, being scared, number two, being I'm really at a blind date at a horror movie. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, wow. So continuing on, before Andy's show, Anne finds out that Andy could have had his casts off weeks ago, which upsets her because she's been waiting on him hand and foot. Same, Anne. Same. This causes them to fight after the show when Andy confirms her suspicions by revealing that he left his casts on because he liked Anne doing everything for him. No. Not okay. Leslie and Mark have drinks at the end of the night. They wind up at the pit, which I, I just love that from a storytelling vantage point how the pit is this just the center of the universe like it's got this gravitational pull on the characters that keeps bringing them back and into the pit <laughs> as we see in this episode with mark he took a real banger probably had to get some dental work done after that one so they wind up at the pit where mark makes a pass at leslie she this. turns him down and he accidentally falls into the pit Andy witnesses this and tells Anne, taking advantage of the commotion to sneak back into Anne's house and watch TV. Of all the things to do, if you sneak back into someone's house, immediately go to the most conspicuous place in the house <laughs> right. and eat potato chips. So let's talk about some episode behind the scenes and trivia. Joe, I... <laughs> Joy. Can you say it with a little more Southern accent? Joy. Joy. <laughs> See, the yeah. thing is, is that's my natural accent. Uh, I'm from the South. Did you accent. know that? No. Yeah, Where are you I from? was born and raised in Mississippi. Congratulations. Yeah. So, and how uh, did you end up in Nebraska? My dad accepted a pastorate at a church in Northeast Colorado, and so that was what brought us out into this part of the world. And here you are. Yep. But when I was a kid, <laughs> I sounded like that. Did you sound like that on your blind date? No. <laughs> no, I had lost the accent by that point in my life. Um, but yeah, so Joy, I anticipate that you've done some awesome deep dives and I just can't wait to hear them. Oh, I sure did, Joe. And I even got a game for us when we get there. I'm mm -hmm. so excited for that, by the way. Bless your heart. <laughs> All right. So in the scene after the the intro... Anne is talking about Andy writing songs about things that are near him. Joe, did you notice anything about the guitar? Yeah, so I did notice it was a Taylor, but I thought it was interesting that he was playing the Taylor on the couch, but on stage at the rock show, he's playing a Takamini. I, I, how many guitars do they have on set? I don't know. And I don't, I also don't know why you would downgrade to a Takamini from a Taylor for playing the show. If anything, the Takamini should be the couch guitar and the Taylor should be your main guitar. These are the questions that keep us up at night. <laughs> Why, Andy? When they cut to Andy just trying some of the songs, he's like, sandwich, are you turkey or ham? 
And then Anne answers him and he gives her stank face. I'm like, she just made you a sandwich and you give her stank face? Come on now. <laughs> this is a very important question though. Do you, do you prefer turkey or ham? Ham. Really? Yeah. I mean, do you I prefer like, turkey? Yeah. Why? I, <laughs> I like ham. Don't get me wrong, but general purpose turkey, I think I, I prefer. I feel like just turkey's a little bit more versatile. Ham, I feel is is really specific. So if I'm making a ham sandwich, I'm basically using the same thing every time, or like the same vein of things, which is like a stone ground mustard, kind of like something acidic, something to sort of complement the sweetness of the ham. Turkey, I feel like you can go a lot of different directions with condiments. <laughs> I feel like you've really thought through this. I have, and I'm, I'm not proud of it, but here we are. <laughs> you know what, Joe? I accept you even if you prefer turkey over ham. Thank you. Here Thank we are. You. Likewise. So when Andy turns to the lamp and starts singing to the lamp, it took me a couple times running through to like actually get verbatim what he said, but he's like, I wish you were a lamp that would light up when you get touched. Like, I really want that to be an ad lib that Andy just came up with. Yeah, I'm guessing he ad libbed all of his singing about objects that were near him. Chris Pratt is an amazing human. He is. Okay, so when Andy gets his cast off, they have the little party in the courtyard. Andy describes his band as Matchbox 20 meets the fray. What does that mean? It means nothing. Okay, great. Matchbox 20 and the fray are two of the most vanilla rock bands mm. ever to exist. So you're not bringing opposites together to create some new sort of fusion. It's basically like saying it's like double vanilla ice cream. It, it's meaningless. <laughs> great. Cool. It's like taking one brand of vanilla and mixing it with another brand of vanilla. Exactly. Exactly. Different brands, but it's still vanilla. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, it means nothing. And I, I kind of love it, though. I, I kind of love that he describes it that way because he doesn't realize it means nothing. Mm, that's pretty true of Andy for most of the show. Okay, so on the cake. <sighs> Joe, I got a little scared for your sanity. Because the pigeons ended up on the teeter-totter. I didn't need this right now. I didn't need them. Uh, no. I just, but here we are. We're talking about the pigeons, Joe. And I, I don't want to be, but I do wonder, was that an organic take with a live, you know, a live pigeon on set? And they were just like, let's let this pigeon loose near the cake and see what happens. And then, you know, it flies down on the cake and they're like, oh, this is gold. Get this. Get this. This is great. I could go with that. I also want to believe, though, that they placed the pigeon on the teeter-totter <laughs> because it was on the side of the teeter-totter that was down. And <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember. Maybe the other one was like in the sandbox. I don't remember directly, but it just it made me so happy. Those were not animatronic pigeons. No, definitely not. Those were the real deal. They had a pigeon wrangler on set that day. During that meeting, they're trying to convince Leslie to go to the rock show. And my favorite quote from that is, she just says so nonchalant. Guys, you know how I love mixing work into my personal life. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh. Of course you do, Leslie. Of course you do. The more I think about that statement, the sadder I get. <laughs> and here we are. There's such a beautifully human moment when Nate, whoever Nate is, congratulates Mark for fixing the speed bump problem because Mark lowered it by two inches. And his quote was, what I can achieve in government can literally be measured. Good job. <laughs> I do love that quote. There's so many moments in this episode. I feel like the storytelling of the show just went from zero to 60. There's just this beautiful window to mark you get this like glimpse under the hood of oh man like this guy's going through an existential crisis like he's wondering if his life and his work has meaning and that phrase just captures that sentiment so perfectly i, I love it i'm trying to remember who said it i think it might have been steve carell said something about how the best kinds of comedy are also really sad like when mm. you take sad things and, and make them relatable and funny. 
And I think this just does that so perfectly. Like it's yeah. it's so funny while he's he's kind of having this revelation, but it's it's also funny because it's relatable because it's that moment of all this work that I've been doing. Does it really mean nothing? It's great. So this also took me quite a few runs through to figure out, but this is the continuation of Andy's band name history, as told by Andy. Scarecrow Boat, Teddy Bear Suicide, Mouse Rat, God Hates Figs, Department of Homeland Obscurity, Flames for Flames, Muscle Confusion, Nothing Rhymes with Orange, Everything Rhymes with Orange, Punch Face Champions, Rad Wagon, Puppy Pendulum, Possum Pendulum, Chicken and Waffles, Pendulum, Handrail Suicide, Angel Snack, Just the Tip, Three Skin, Jet Black Pope, and then, as he quotes, we went back to Mouse Rat, then went back to Scarecrow Boat. And by the end, end of the episode, we were back to Mouse Rat. Um, there were lots of character introductions in this episode. Ron introduces Mark to Beth, who is Ron's ex-wife Tammy's better-looking sister. Um, because, as as Ron said, Tammy cheated on Ron, they divorced, then he ran into Beth last week and they started dating, because both Ron and Beth hate Tammy. So, <laughs> I don't remember Beth in any other episodes, but I have not confirmed that, really. I did a quick Google search, and I think she was only in this episode, but I don't I know. Don't, I don't think she's in any others. It was her, her one-trick pony. <laughs> She was that extra for one day. We talked a little bit before we started recording. The internet says that Beth is Tammy 2's sister. I just am having a real hard time with that. I want her to be Tammy 1's sister for several reasons. One of which because I feel like there is a very clear argument to be made that Beth is hotter than Tammy 1. Mm-hmm. Because Ron says that she's the hotter sister. I don't feel like there's as clear of an argument to be made there for Tammy 2. Mm. And because Beth and Tammy 2 look nothing alike. That is true. I could see some resemblance to Tammy 1. The hair color is similar. The Some of the facial structure is kind of similar. So I wanted it to be Tammy 1. Apparently it's Tammy 2. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Which is just complicated because the actress who plays Tammy 2 is actually married to Nick Offerman in real life. So basically what he was saying is this extra is hotter than my real wife. Yeah. So maybe I was trying to to throw Nick Offerman a bone too. I don't know. But we actually (laughs) haven't seen, we haven't seen Tammy 2 by this point. Right. Or Tammy 1. And it would make sense that at this point she hadn't been cast. So they could say that, you know, without having to think about it. And they might not have had the concept either of multiple Tammies. They still haven't talked about Ron's family. There's actually three Tammies. So there's Tammy right. 1, Tammy 2, and his mom, who is Tammy. Yeah, and I think to this point, he's only ever said ex-wife. I don't think he's said ex-wives, which he does for most of the show. Good observation. Um, another character that we meet for the first time is Wendy, who is Tom's wife, quote-unquote wife. April introduces Mark to Derek, but the other guy isn't there. Do you remember his name? Ben. Ah, Ben. Their their little thruple thing. It's super awkward. It's so weird. Because, like, he's obviously just not interested, and April's like, yeah, whatever, here I am. Leslie's mysterious date man introduces himself in the last third of the episode as George Gernway, Eagleton City Manager. <laughs> so... In the future, anytime anything Eagleton is brought up, everybody like flips out, gets super sassy. At least Tom makes some sort of remark about, you know, Eagleton Schmeagleton. But no one reacted when George said he was from Eagleton. I know. They just went with it like it's okay. Leslie typically reacts to anyone from Eagleton like my dog reacts to the UPS man. I mean, just instant aggression. And the fact that she went on a date with this guy and was civil to him after she found that out is so jarring. Yeah, let's refer real quick to our um, (laughs) Pawnee, the greatest town in America. There is an entire chapter about Eagleton and all of the names that Pawnee citizens call people from Eagleton. So on page 133, it's anti-Eagleton slurs. Um, Regalton, Pawneeans <laughs> say Regalton with a Regalton with a snooty British accent to imply that Eagletonians think they are royalty and rule the planet, which they are not and do not. Some Eagletonians have actually adopted that phony British accent that Madonna uses, which makes this probably our most accurate slur. 
<laughs> we'll leave it at that one for the day. That's so, great. I had to say that because nobody else did. So here I am being the adult in this situation. <laughs> Are you ready for a game, Joe? I'm so ready. Okay. I have been preparing for this all week. This was a very interesting little rabbit hole that I went down. I got so excited I had to make it a game. And I didn't even put any of my answers in the show notes because I didn't want you to do research on me. <laughs> mm. I, I did not, by the way. I googled nothing. Thank you. Because I specifically said no research allowed before recording and it was in bold. Yeah, I respected the bold. <laughs> As one should. <laughs> After the show, Ron and Beth, Wendy and Tom are standing outside of the venue. The posters behind them are for the following bands. Which of these are real and which aren't? I Set My Friends on Fire, Street Dogs, Devotchka, Bad Religion, NASA, Left Alone, Flannel Grunge, which is technically on the marquee. Okay, let's go through the top three. Okay. From I Set My Friends on Fire, Street Dogs, and Devotchka, are those real or are those fake? Well, I think one of them is and two of them aren't. Okay, what so, do you think? I think Devotchka is real. I think the other two, Street Dogs and I Set My Friends on Fire, I do not think those are real bands. So I Set My Friends on Fire is a real band. They're an experimental rock group from Miami, Florida, formed in 2007. Their debut album is You Can't Spell Slaughter Without Laughter. <sighs> <laughs> That's what was on the poster. <laughs> Street Dogs is a real band. What? An American punk rock band from Boston, Massachusetts, formed that in 2002. Of, okay, that makes a lot of sense. State of Grace, um, the album on the on the poster, was released in 2008. Okay. Devotchka is a real band. Four-piece, multi-instrumental and vocal ensemble. Originally a burlesque backing band. Devotchka broke out of the shadows with their song How It Ends, which was featured in the trailer for Everything is Illuminated. That's kind of where they ended up getting their big break. Okay. So from Bad Religion, NASA, Left Alone, and Flannel Grunge, what do you think? Bad Religion's real. NASA is real. Left Alone. Sure, I'll go with real. Flannel Grunge. I'm afraid they're real. But I'm going to say they're not real because that just feels like somebody making a joke at the expense of Nirvana and all the other Seattle grunge bands. You got it right. I did? Bad Religion is a real band, punk rock, formed in L.A. in 1980. Um, according to Wikipedia, they're noted for their melodic sensibilities and extensive use of three-part vocal harmonies. The huh. album that was on the poster is New Maps of Hell and was released in 2007. NASA, or NASA, um, is a hip-hop duo. The album that was on the poster is called The Spirit of Apollo and was released in 2009. Left Alone is a real band, punk rock band formed in Wilmington, California in May of 1996. And Flannel Grunge, which was up on the marquee, is not a real band. I looked up Flannel Grunge and I just kept getting all these fashion posts about flannel. Yes! <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I am proud of myself for that one. It just seemed a little bit too on the nose. So when Leslie is on her date with the local bigwig, he says that she looks like a young Sandy Duncan. This guy needs to chill. First of all, I had no idea who Sandy Duncan is. Secondly, I looked Sandy Duncan up online, and in my opinion, she looks nothing like Leslie, like nothing like Amy Poehler at I did all. the exact same thing and came to the same conclusion. This is not even close. <laughs> this guy's crazy pants. And he just, the way that he looks so gleeful when he says it, I just, uh, something no. wrong about that, dude. No. Calm down. He has no clue. <laughs> I also put down here, when Andy's band starts the show, their first song is called Menace Ball. Like Menace, like Dennis the Menace Ball. And it is featured in at least one other episode that I can remember off the top of my head. I actually think this song is really catchy. It's a little bit of an earworm. Between the lyrics of this song and some camera work, I think there's some foreshadowing here of Ann and Andy's breakup, and the show is giving us hints. Hmm. The song is a breakup song, if you read the lyrics, and just the way that the camera cuts back and forth between him and Ann, I think there's foreshadowing going on. I think they're telling us what's coming. Hmm. 
and that's I, I fascinating. Liked, I like like that's almost a, a good enough tidbit to get moved to my likes column because, like I said, I just feel like the storytelling just went next level in this episode, and there's so much I love about it. Dang. All right, Joe. Now it's time to move to our likes and dislikes, where we talk about what we did and didn't like in the episode. Yeah. You go first. I stole the intro, so you have to go first. It's it's you can't steal something that that technically belongs to you. We're we're equal. Fine owners here we're co-owners this is our entertainment 720 <laughs> where's Detlef Shrimp? he ain't in my basement playing basketball i need some of them sweet chairs no one's manning the shrimp wall <laughs> it's so gross <laughs> just the food safety implications of a wall of shrimp like no you have to have the room at a certain temperature then because you keep shrimp on ice like the amount of Uh, No, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Everyone's going to get sick. That's how the pandemic started. Freaking shrimp wall. Anyway, Joe, what did you like about the episode? I love that Mark is our avatar for meeting people's significant others. Mm. We get introduced to all the new people through him. And it's just so good. His expressions and everything. It's great classic third wheel my next like is that i have decided to watch every episode going forward with subtitles on hmm do you watch with the subtitles joy i don't because then i end up watching the subtitles and not the action i'm a little bit that way too but but i think it's worthwhile my favorite takeaway from watching this episode with subtitles is that when George and Leslie are on their date, right after he mentions the Everly Brothers, George laughs, and in the subtitles it reads, slightly gasping chuckle. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) I feel like people that edit subtitles low-key are just having the most fun, especially when there's some ambiguity with, you know, it might not be dialogue, it's just a noise like that. They kind of get to decide what goes in there. And so whoever does that, it's uh, it's great. It adds a whole other layer to the comedy. Kind of like Ethel Beavers. Exactly. <laughs> and then I want to give the biggest high five ever to the camera crew and the editors for this episode. The visual storytelling and the foreshadowing in the subtext of the scene where everyone is dancing is incredible. I mean, this scene is only a few seconds long and there's so much there. Tell me more because I just I just felt awkward when I watched it. Once I started noticing things, I just dived in and I, I realized how much there was just so beautifully jammed into this short sequence. So I'm just gonna go through it by character, everything that I noticed in the, the storytelling and the, the subtext. Andy is totally in the moment and unaware of the problem with his significant other, which is totally on brand for him. I feel like that is an unhealthy, unaware Enneagram 7. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's definitely an unhealthy 7. If y'all don't know what the Enneagram is, now is the time to start doing research. So Andy's totally in the moment. He's unaware of the problem with his significant other, which is sort of this great condensing of his storyline into just this one shot. April is way more into the dancing than Derek, who is half standing and half sitting, representing the fact that she's more invested than Derek and Ben, who don't really care about her or put much effort into their relationship. Mm, That's deep. It's so beautiful. Wendy is looking too hot and too excited to belong to this group of people. She looks like she belongs in a big city club in this Mm. shot. And I feel like that represents the fact that she's not a real member of the group because of her sham marriage to Tom, and she will leave the show after only having a cursory presence. Fascinating. Mark is off to the side, alone and out of place. I feel like his connection to Leslie is the strongest thing connecting him to the group and to the narrative. So without her, he struggles to fit as a character, and he doesn't have the same closeness to the collective heart of the show as the other main characters, which makes me sad. Do you think from the from the start, the writers were hoping that Mark and Leslie would end up together in the end? I feel like that there's potential for that, definitely. It, it feels like they're trying, but especially it's complicated. In, especially in season one. Yeah. 
Tom's dancing is over the top and silly compared to Wendy's. Just like in their relationship, he tries so hard to make a real connection with her, but misses the mark because his swagger and over-the-top personality gets in the way. But underneath that, and I mean way underneath that, he has a good heart that is capable of selfless actions even when he doesn't get anything in return. Hmm. Good observation. And then Ron's goofiness and silly dance moves are almost move for move, blow for blow, the exact same that show up in the season three episode, The Fight. Did you do a comparison? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, wow, I'm so intrigued. Keep going. I'm, I'm joy levels of deep diving what, here. What? Points awarded. The silly smile, the way that he's kind of doing the, the bobble with his head and his hand motions, they're all the same from the cut to him dancing in the season three episode, The Fight, to how he's dancing right here. It's almost blow for blow the same. I feel like that belies the fact that underneath his purposefully crafted intimidating exterior, there is a fun-loving goofball with a childlike sense of fun. I do like it when we get to see that side of Ron. Me too. Like his giddy face. Oh, makes me so happy. And I love riddles. (laughs) I definitely do not want something like that for my birthday, ever. No. And then lastly, Anne sitting angrily yet silently in the corner reflects how she will not truly come into her own as a character until she uses her voice, speaking her mind and standing her ground instead of letting people walk all over her. And out of all the subtext and foreshadowing I noticed in this scene, this one has the quickest payoff Hmm. because she's going to do this before the end of the episode. That is true. She starts standing up for herself and, and finding her voice. Wow. Well done. So yeah, just the biggest of kudos to the camera people and editors in this episode because I just got sucked in and I loved every second of that. My last like is everything about Tom meeting George. (laughs) (laughs) Tom's awkwardness is so appropriate in that moment. So good. Uh, I just he he nails that line of poking the bear and yet staying in the sweet spot where George won't really realize he's making fun of him. (laughs) And it's so good. He just uh, nails that bit and it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So Joy, what did you like about this episode? So you noticed this consistency between Ron and this episode and later in season three. I noticed one between Leslie and Mark in this episode and all the way back to the pilot episode. So when Leslie and Mark are sitting at the pit and and they're talking about, like, what do we want to actually do here? Mark is completely honest and he's like, it's going to be a long uphill battle. To which Leslie responds in true Leslie fashion, screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, Kennedy put a man on the moon. I can build one park. Which feels so much like their first conversation about the park where Mark was like, uh, it's not likely, but is it possible? No, it's not possible. I would give up on that one. And then Leslie's like... So it sounds like you're telling me to go for it. That is so good. I love that. What a nice little bookend. Yeah, it was, I thought it was very well crafted. My second like is the pit song. Um, Andy got his message across in 21 words per chorus and 25 words for the one verse. And it's just (laughs) all of those repeated. So I'm going to say it in complete straight faced glory. Yes. The pit. I was in it, the pit. You were in it, the pit. We all fell in the pit. Sometimes life's gonna get you down. Hit the ground running, take a look around. You think you found love, but you're standing in the pit. (laughs) Snaps, yeah! That was great. I had a friend in college who gave a speech in front of a camera where she did the entire Fresh Prince of Bel-Air intro, straight-faced. Oh, wow. I'm so proud of her. Wow. So I was channeling Jen on that one, but it wasn't quite as long. But here we are. Good job. That one's for you, Jen. What did you not like about this episode, Joe? Just a few things. Number one, I didn't like Leslie wanting to keep Andy's cast. Yeah, wow. No. No. In what world is that okay? 
Ugh, casts are so disgusting. Mm. No. no. No, thank you. Just no. No, 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 no. I really didn't like the pigeons coming back from my soul in this episode. It is intentional at this point. I was lulled into a false sense of security by having, I feel like, at least one episode where pigeons weren't front and center on my radar, and then boom, there they are, right in the open. Hmm. <laughs> at least being in quarantine, the pigeons can't attack you in your house. So They're just, hey, don't say that. I mean, they, they, you, could, they could whether we are in quarantine or not. <laughs> you never know. Don't speak that over me. I rebuke that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't you put that evil on me. <laughs> and then finally, I disliked George saying, let's have some fun, which apparently means tasting his chicken. Oh, gosh. That was just, so uncomfortable. Leslie's uh, like, no, no. And just how he said it. Just taste. Lil, taste chicken. Oh, no. Gosh. No. Back off, no. George. No, no, no. So that's it for me. What did you dislike about this episode? I am so disappointed that when they get in the cab, Ron's like, who wants to see me climb a tree? And then we never got to see him climb a tree. I think it would be both like regal and awkward all at the same time. Yes. But I also don't know what level of, well, I guess Ron doesn't get drunk. He can have like a bunch of whiskeys and still not get drunk because, you know, Swanson's hold right. their alcohol. But I'm just disappointed he didn't. He didn't climb a tree. Mm -hmm. Now I have to wait forever because I probably will never see him climb a tree. It's, it's a consolation prize, but he does climb something tree adjacent in a later episode. Oh, gosh. I will look forward to that day. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you what it is or do you just want to wait and see it? Yeah. Tell me. I can't wait that long. <laughs> so it's in the season where Leslie's campaigning and it's, it's the debate. Oh, um, Okay. The debate because he's attending the watch party at Andy's house and the cable goes out. You're right. And he climbs a telephone pole to steal the cable. You are right. Yep. So not quite a tree, but it's something. The Ron we come to know and love hates technology, yet at Paladino's when Andy is singing the pit song and they cut away to the crowd with their phones up, Ron seems to have an iPhone with a lighter app on it. I, I don't even know what to do with this information. It just, it, it. I, 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 yeah. This is I twice, can't. twice in this season that Ron has a device that we know Ron would not use because they would track him with it. Yeah. And the other thing I don't like is how uncomfortable Leslie's date with George is and how slimy Marlene Griggs Nope is shown to be yet once more. Like, no. Mm. Stop it, Marlene. You're mean. On this one, though, and I didn't even look this up ahead of time, this is happening right now. Oh my this gosh. Is, this is in real time. Bolt of inspiration. There is almost an exact parallel to this scenario. Okay, go with me here because it kind of feels like Marlene Griggs Nope is doing this for some political gain hmm. or, or some kind of personal gain. And she even says, you don't have to sleep with him if you don't want to. True. Leslie does the exact same thing to Anne. Oh my gosh. Tell me more. I think I'm I think I'm with I'm, you, but just a little bit more. The situation happens more than once. Just that that Leslie basically kind of tries to uh to to pimp out Anne for the cause. I can't I can't remember if it's with Pistol Pete. Um mm, It is with Pistol Pete. Yeah, it's with it's, it's with Pistol Pete where she says that exact phrase, you don't have to sleep with him if you don't want to. Hmm. That's deep. And now it's time for the coronation of the beautiful rule-breaking moth, the segment ah. in which we choose one specific thing that was the breakout star of this episode. Joe? I don't know if I like this. You're better, that, you're better at sound effects than I am. No, this is I'm just not, an opportunity for us to practice and, I know. and get better all around. I know. I need to. I just, I'm not, I'm not Joy Bork. I believe in you. You don't have to be Joy Bork, but I need you to be Joe Patterson. Okay, I can do that. Okay, good talk. My beautiful rule-breaking moth for this episode is Tom. Tom? Yes. He has so many genuinely funny scenes in this episode. I feel like this is the best Tom has been all season, and he's starting to hit his stride. Mm, I will totally give you that one. My beautiful rule-breaking moth for this one is the pit, because 
It is the one consistent thing in the craziness of season one that lasts through most of the show. So good mm-hmm. job, Pitt. You showed up. Holding it down. Mm. You want me to keep going or do you want to do it? I, l- I like this new territory. You take it. And now it's time for the shaming of the Jerry. The part of the show where we shame one particular thing for bringing the episode down or being unnecessarily annoying. Bah, bah, bah. Oh no. Joe, who's your Jerry this episode? This hurts me. Oh no. This hurts my heart to have to say this. But it's Mark. Oh, Mark. Mm. Come on, Mark. I love Mark so much, but his arc in this episode is undeniably sleazy. Mm. He goes right from hitting on Anne while she has a boyfriend to making a pass at Leslie. I get it. Like, he's a little inebriated, but this is not the Mark that is the beating heart of the first two seasons. Give me my genuine caring Mark back. Yeah, right there with you, champ. What's your Jerry? Andy. It just, it felt to me so gross that he just used Anne and wasn't honest to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, his awareness level, we already know this, his awareness level is subpar, but I would be so furious if somebody I was dating did what Andy did, just Mm. so I would serve him more. Like, no, no, don't you feign helplessness, you... Serve him a sandwich on a Frisbee that says, get out. (laughs) And it's neither ham or turkey, it's baloney. Oh! Because that's what you are, fool. Boom! Take that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now it's time for the awarding of the Lil' Sebastians. Yeah! The ceremony in which we rate each episode against the entire catalog of Parks and Recreation episodes by awarding it between one and five Lil' Sebastians. I'm tired. <laughs> one obviously is the lowest, and five represents perfection, the most magical episodes of all time and just as a reminder in an event that joy and joe both rate an episode as a five that episode will earn a place in the parks and rewatch hall of fame in the event that both of us rate an episode as a one that episode will live in infamy in the eagleton hall of shame so joy it's the final episode of season one how many lil sebastians do you award rock show I would give it a two because it's not the Parks and Rec I come to love and like have fond feelings towards. It's still, I mean, it, it's still season one. So like I'll give it a two because it's season one, but it's, eh, I'm ready to move on. How about you? I, I would agree with you. It's not the Parks and Rec that we've come to know and love. I don't know that I have complete and total confidence in my decision here, but I did decide to award this episode a three whoa that's the highest rating yet it is you know i just this might be some leslie nope compassion and optimism coming out but i just feel like one episode from season one deserved to get higher than a two and really i the thing that pushed me over the top from a two to a three was that scene that I dove into that just did such an incredible job with so much storytelling and subtext in such a short amount of time. That was so quality. I had to give it a three. That makes total sense. Well done. And part of it's probably coming from my relief that we're done with season one after this. About time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Look at us go. And now it's time to ask the all-important question. Where Where in the the world world is... We're so John, I wanted you to keep going with it, so it would just be terrible. Yeah! Yeah! So, where do you think John Ralphio is during the events of Rock Show, Joy? You know, you know, during the event of Rock Show, I think he was a delivery driver and was learning how to deliver packages, but he didn't realize that that meant he was just supposed to deliver the package. He thought that was a little too boring. So he started switching the labels on them. And then as he dropped them off at people's houses, he was just like, psych, and then he ran away. (laughs) That's great. That's it. And then he lost his job. (laughs) We know that John Ralphio, he struggles to stay employed for longer than like five minutes. It's the worst. (laughs) The worst. (laughs) 
<laughs> I need to warm up my voice better before this. <laughs> Where do you think John Ralphio was? I think he's hiding in Anne's house during her and Andy's fight. What? Why? I don't. I don't have any. I don't have anything else for that. That's just. That was the little lightning bolt of inspiration that came to me. I was just like, yeah, I think he's just like around a corner or something. Now it's time for Johnny Karate's Karate Moves to Success, an inspirational segment in which we apply the Karate Moves to Success in our own lives. Yay! So, Joy, what would you like to karate chop this week? Fake news. Like, I don't know in the middle of all the stuff going on what's actually real and what isn't real, if people are quoting credible sources or not. And that's really not helping... uh, how fear is spreading in the midst of an actual pandemic spreading. Mm. So I want people to be educated and I want them to actually quote credible sources and do their research. Mm -hmm. You know, you would think that reading past the headline wouldn't be too much to ask, but apparently for some people it is. Here we are. What do you want to cry, Chap? I want to karate chop people who post pictures of snake balls on the internet. Do I want to know what snake balls are? I'm scared. Well, it's probably not what you think. You may not know this about me. I have an insane phobia of snakes. Okay. I've had it all my life. I'm terrified, terrified of snakes. And apparently there's this thing that happens with garter snakes where when... (laughs) I'm giving like a birds and the bees garter snakes talk right now. And a mommy snake and a daddy snake. <laughs> I didn't know that this is where my life was going to turn out. but They want to <laughs> populate the world. They do so, shall we say, very effectively. Mm. So garter snakes can lay like hundreds of eggs, I Oof. think, which all hatch at the same time. So in the location, I don't know if it's a nest or whatever, you would call it, but they all hatch, and so all of a sudden, there's hundreds of little snakes that kind of all just, like, congregate together for a while before they go their separate ways and they go out into the world. And so there's this phenomenon that can happen, which some of my Facebook friends have posted pictures of, where you can come across what is literally, it looks like a basketball made up of living snakes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You do realize that by writing this into the karate chop section, you now had to talk about it and you spread your fear of snake balls to me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to make you aware of that. But my desire to karate chop overcame my fear. And I just know I like it's bad enough that that is something that happens in the world. That is definitely a product of the fall of of sin entering the world. Yeah. Remember what we talked about last week when I said that when people say things, it shows up as pictures in my head. Yep. I could send you a real picture. I didn't need that, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) So moving away from that very quickly. (laughs) Joy, who would you like to be nice to this week? Um, Some of my friends are on a podcast called the Relate Podcast. Um, they give super, super practical ways to grow and how you relate with yourself and others. That's one of the things I love studying. I love figuring out how to communicate better, how to use words better. Um, and the folks at the Relate Podcast do an awesome job. So shout out. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. Who do you want to be nice to? Check that out. So this week, I also have a podcast recommendation. Podcast? My recommendation is the Lore podcast. What is the Lore about? Basically, uh, it's deep historical dives in a narrative storytelling form into dark and, and curious history. Ooh. It is extremely well done. Aaron Mankey is the guy who uh, produces it and, and makes it. Uh, it is just, it's perfectly well done. It, it's just, the stories are captivating. They are mind-blowing most of the time. I mean, it, it's just the, the you know, so many of the episodes just have these reveals that 
you don't realize he's been building to for the whole time where like two seemingly unrelated events are actually connected and it just it's dropped my jaw on more than one occasion i actually discovered lore a while ago when my sister and i were helping my dad move from colorado to mississippi so i knew i was going to be driving across the country more than once and one of those times by myself in a u-haul mm. So I desperately needed ways to pass the time. And in looking for podcasts, I found Lore right before that trip. And I kid you not, I think I listened to maybe two other podcast episodes the entire trip. Because wow. I was just listening to Lore the entire time. It's so good. All right, friends. Go listen to our podcasts. Our podcast and our friends' podcasts. Yeah. After you after you listen to this podcast, then you go listen to those those other podcasts. Because podcasts love podcasts, love podcasts, and then we'll make a big ball of podcasts to overcome the snake ball. Because we don't like snake balls, but we like podcasts. <laughs> and that's all we got for today. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you again next week for season two. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh do we need to do a plug for patreon yeah yeah we'll go ahead and do that stuff but i'm leaving this in (laughs) so thank you everyone for listening this has been such a milestone for us to have i feel like we just started this podcast like last week and here we are at the end of season one yes i'm so excited season one is over we made it And we get to start season two next week, which is super exciting. So if you're interested in keeping up with us, listen, there's never been a better time than now. You can follow us on Instagram at Rewatch Parks. You can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash parks and rewatch. You can become a Pawnee Ranger, a Pawnee Goddess, or a Swanson. Mm -hmm. Support us over there. Help us make these episodes going forward. And you can shoot us an email at rewatchparks at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We would love to hear from you so much. If you want to comment on one of our episodes, maybe you, you know, maybe you did a little deep dive of your own that we missed on an episode and you want to bring it to our attention. We'll put that in the We Got Jam section for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to disagree with one of our highly informed and unassailable opinions. Just uh, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, no matter where you contact us and no matter what you're contacting us about. That's all, folks. All right, I'm Joe Patterson. You can find me on Instagram at the Joe Patterson. Joy, as always, thank you so much. This has been great, and I can't wait for next week in season two. We made it. Thanks for hanging in there with us, guys. Until season two. Tough motor. (laughs) You're going to have fun editing this one. Oh, so much fun. (laughs) 